lean into it, if you would. How much potential do you think you have in your life to make an impact for good? Like, honestly, is it large? Is it small? Have you even thought about it very often? But you, in terms of how you live your life, in terms of how you spend your time and choose your priorities and do what you do, is the impact great or small? You know, there, there are some folks who uh, live with what's called the Messiah complex. I did that for a lot of my life. Didn't really think I had any limitations, and I thought I could change the world. Ran hard at that. And there are people who are like that, you know? They, they really think they can make a difference, and they're excited to, and they want to, and they give their life to it because they want, they want to do something for God. It's significant. And I don't know what you would call it at the other end of that spectrum. I don't know that there's a name for it, but there are probably people here today who say, look, I'm just one person. I don't know how much I can do for good or for God. Um, maybe a little bit, <laughs> but uh, my, my hopes aren't really particularly high. Well, I want you to know today, whether you're 15 and you're looking forward to your life and you know, you, that whole thing to consider and, and, and to move into, or whether you're 45 in midlife and you're thinking, man, I've only got so many years left because that's what we do when we get there, right? I did. Or whether you're 85 and you recognize that, that there are limitations now that you've never had before and there's only so much you can do. I don't care what your age is. I want you to hear from God today about what it is you have the potential to accomplish for him. And my point to you, as you will see, that what we're going to unpack is that your potential for good and your potential for God is significant. You can do great things for God and make impact, probably in ways that you can't even imagine. Well, for two weeks, we're going to look at this, uh, this, this passage that I'm going to read to you. I'm actually going to read one of the verses, and we'll read more of it next week. But we're going to, you know, grapple with a little phrase that's, that's caught up in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. Here's the context. Before we put the verse up, here's the context. Paul, the apostle, of course, has gone around the Mediterranean, essentially, and he's set up churches, places where Christ has, has become known and people believe in him, and now they're gathering together. And, and he set up a church or churches in Ephesus, and, and when he moved along, he's an apostle established Timothy in, in Ephesus this young man, to be its pastor. And what had happened was that real problems had emerged. Can you imagine problems emerging in a church? Happens, right? Yeah? And the problems, you know, really are there because of false teachers that have come into this congregation. And they're teaching things that, that just aren't right. You know, they're, they're, they're saying immorality, sexual immorality is not a problem, not a big deal. Leave it alone. And they're getting people to observe Jewish um, dietary laws which are no longer necessary. They once sort of spoke to and pointed to Jesus, but now Jesus has come and he's fulfilled the expectation. The reality is here, and they and we don't need to exercise those laws anymore. You know, there's, there's the, there's the, there was the reality of these people denying the need for marriage, which is completely so unbiblical based on the Old Testament and so forth. It's a bit of a mess. And here's this young guy named Timothy, and he's, he's the lucky fellow who gets to be the pastor. And uh, so Paul writes to him this, these letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and particularly in 2 Timothy. This is the encouragement. This is the instruction. This is what Paul wants Timothy to know. And, and he, he includes this little verse in the first chapter as he's, as he's entering into this discussion. And it says this, 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. 
For this reason, Paul writing to Timothy, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Through the laying on of my hands. You see, Paul is saying to this young guy, by the way, that's how ministers are still ordained. Other ministers gather around and they lay hands on, on someone to enable and to empower for ministry. But in that moment that Paul is referring to, um, he's talking about how this young guy became gifted to do what God had called him to do. He's referring to spiritual, the spiritual gift that God had placed inside Timothy's life. The spiritual gifts are taught about all over the New Testament. I don't know how many of you are familiar with, with this teaching. I know some of you certainly are. We've talked about it before. But spiritual gifts come to us in an incredibly important moment in our lives, and that's when we are saved. When the Spirit of God moves in a profound way, and, you know, track with me in this. Has this happened in your life? When the Spirit of God shows up in a powerful way in a human being's life, the Spirit does a lot of things that really radically transform a human being's life. Number one, the Spirit starts to open people's eyes, illuminate, so that they can see and understand the truth about who Jesus is. They start to get it in the way they never understood it before. Jesus, the Son of God, come into this world to die on a cross so that my sin can be forgiven. And he rose from the dead that I might follow him as Lord. He's my, he's my leader. He's my Lord. He's my King. And, and, and as, as that dynamic reality starts to dawn on some people, then another reality starts to dawn, and it's the work of the Spirit to convince it of us, and that's of us, of it. And that is that, you know what? I'm in a lot of need here. Because I'm a sinful person. I do things that are wrong, and I've been alienated from a holy God. And I need to deal with this stuff that's in my life, that I might have a relationship with God. And, and the Spirit of God works, and he convicts us of sin, and he leads us to repentance, so we actually confess our sin before God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry for all that I've done that's wrong. Please forgive me. And as that process carries on, as this experience has had, so we come into the family of God and we become children and precious and beloved of God. We, we're reconciled with God, our Father. He becomes our dad and Jesus becomes our Lord and the Spirit's now dwelling within. Everything in that moment changes in a human being's life. Sometimes it takes us a while to figure it out. Let me just say before I go on, I hope every single person in this church has had that experience because it is only that encounter with God's Spirit, with the Lord Jesus himself, whereby we become his. And we are forgiven of our sin. And we do have this eternal relationship with God that will never change. And we know where we're going when, we're, when we die. That's conversion. But I want to tell you too, in that moment, as the Spirit works in a profound way and transforms who we are at the deepest level of our being, the Spirit of God gives the children of God spiritual gifts. He just provides them to us. He weaves them into our being, and he, and, and he says to us, in essence, I want you now then to take this gifting that I have given to you, and I want, to, I want you to use it for me. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about to each one, that's all of us, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for common good. You get that? Every single person has something, a capacity, a way of serving, whereby the Spirit of God is manifest, is made known, is shown to the world. That's you. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have been converted, if your life has been transformed by the work and the power and the beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. These gifts are given in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, for the building up of the body of Christ, for the building up of the church. That's why they exist. Now, 
what does this, what, what is a spiritual gift? Let me, I want, I want to really communicate this with you. It is simply a means whereby we serve in a particular way through which God the Spirit works in us. I want you to get this. It's not so much about what we do. It's us serving, obviously. For Timothy, it would be to preach. And as he preached, all of a sudden, because he's gifted in preaching, Paul is telling him, the Spirit of God shows up and just starts to move in a powerful way in and through Timothy in the lives of God's people. Quite frankly, that's what I hope, hope what happens when I preach. If I'm gifted for this, you're not just hearing Chris Little. You're hearing my voice. You're hearing my preparation. You're hearing the thoughts that I put into this and the hard work. But more importantly, far more importantly, you're beginning to encounter who? The Spirit of God. Because it's like I just become a channel. Timothy just becomes a channel through which the Spirit of God flows into the lives of God's people. And here's the deal, my friends. Every person who claims faith in Jesus Christ has at least one spiritual gift, if not more. Most people have more than one, but usually there's a primary one. A spiritual gift of wisdom and of teaching and of prayer and of faith and of giving and administration and leadership and healings and tongues. Whatever the gifting God chooses for you, you've got it. It's there. And because of that, I want to tell you, because of that, I want to tell you and convince you today that you have an incredibly significant opportunity to make an impact in this world for good and for God. It is there. It is real. And it's not dependent on you. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit of God who gave you the gift. And if you're willing to serve in the way he has enabled you, God will move through you. And God is a powerful God. And God will make an impact because of that. That's the reality. And just as was the case for Timothy, he had a calling from God, and his calling was to be a pastor. Every single one of us have a, has a calling. I don't know whether you know what your calling is. My gut tells me a lot of people have no clue. They don't know what it is God has created them to do. And this isn't just for pastors. Don't get caught up in that nonsense. Every person has a calling from God to serve as God has designed them to serve and as God has gifted them to serve. Do you know what your calling is? And do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? You know, my friends, it is so, so important that we understand that God has a purpose for your life and God wants to make impact through, through your life. Do you hear that? It's not you making the impact in, 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 in the most focused way. It's God making impact through you as you serve him. You know, I came across uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 recently. And it's a little phrase. We're going to read it. A little phrase that I love in here. And it, tell me what little phrase you love of all of this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, there are lots of, there's lots of stuff there that's cool. But here's what the Spirit of God has drawn my attention to. Jesus speaking to his people before Pentecost. Of course, Pentecost happened. The Spirit came, and now we live in that reality. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You, my friends, IPC, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know what this says? Is that you can be powerful in the hand of God. God's power can be exercised through you to make substantial impact in this world, to change this world, to impact people, to do what God does, God intends to do through you, whether you know it or not. 
the, the potential impact is significant to build the church and as the church is built to then go out into this world and to build the kingdom of God. See, Paul's saying simply to Timothy, you're a young, gifted man. God has enabled you to function in a particular way. And if we can go back to the first, uh, second Timothy passage, chapter one, what he is saying is, now that you know you've got the gift, fan that gift into flame. You know? Fan it into flame. Um, let that gift blaze red hot by the power of the Spirit acting in and through your life. That happening in you? You know, I, uh, obviously the illustration here is of flames and of fire. It's kind of Pentecost-like, isn't it? Where the Spirit came and what looked like tongues of fire, and it settled on each one who believed in Jesus. Happens at our conversion. The Spirit comes, and He is present, and He is real, and He is alive. And that fire is to burn brightly. Fan it into flame, Paul says. You know, i got to tell you, I'm a fire guy. I think I've made this point to you before. I don't know if you remember, but I'm really good with fire. Remember, anybody remember me saying that before? Good. I know you forget 90% of what I say. That's all right. That's why you have to keep coming back so God can say it again and again and again, right? But I love fires. Maybe it's because I was in camping, Christian camping for a lot of years. Maybe it's because I'm just, I'm a capable fire starter, you know? And uh, I'm just good at it. And, you know, sometimes... Sometimes uh, a fire is nothing more than a bunch of, of, of hot coals. There's no flame. I think what Paul might be telling Timothy, like right now you're a bunch of hot coals, but you need to burn brightly. So I can look at a fire that's going down and other people have tried to build it up and revive it. You know when you're kind of on the edge and is it going to go out? And, and now what I do is I bend down and I take off my glasses, learned that the hard way, and I start to blow gently just at the right spot. And all of a sudden, the red glow starts to come back to the coals. You know what I'm talking about? Can you picture this? And I blow a little harder, just in the right spot, and they get even hotter. And I blow harder, and all of a sudden, the flame just kind of pops, right? You know what I'm talking about? It just kind of comes. And then you put a little kindling on the, the light stuff, and you blow harder again, and, and the flame grows larger. And by the time you have done this for a little while, there are large logs on the fire, and it is blazing brightly, powerfully. Uh, in that moment. You see, the reality is, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't let your coals smolder. Blow on them. Be intentional about it until your gifting blazes for God. Blazes for him. Accomplishing the purpose for which the fire exists. Do with passion what God has gifted you to do and achieve your incredible potential for him. I hope you're hearing the message and applying it to your life. Here's what sometimes happens, though. Followers of Jesus, people who have had that encounter with God, people in whom the Spirit of God has transformed their being at the the core level, their spirit has been brought to life, they've been born again, they've been born anew, and they've entered into this new life in a relationship with Jesus, and they have great potential for impacting the world for God. But they leave their fire-smoldering coals, sometimes for their whole lives. I think sometimes people do that because they don't know about spiritual gifts. A guy like me has never told them. That's how Paul starts in 1 Corinthians. I don't want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. I want you to know about them. I want you to build your life around them. I want you to build your church around them. 
so that the potential can be realized? Sometimes I think the coals remain smoldering because people think that their purpose is other than building the church and building the kingdom of God. Like literally, Christian people who have been transformed by the Spirit of God, who have been brought to faith, who have the Spirit of God within them, and they can do remarkable things for God, they literally think their lives exist for other things. Other than that, do you? I think it's a big one. Sometimes people think, you know, my life exists to make money. Sometimes my life, they think my life exists to collect things. Sometimes, you know, um, they think, well, my life exists so that I might raise a family. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's called hedonism. My life exists to have fun, you know? Sometimes, you know, people think, well, my life exists to succeed in career. I could go on and on and on, and none of those things is bad. But it's not the primary purpose of your life if you claim faith in Jesus. The primary purpose of your life is to build the kingdom of God. He has saved you to be his that he might empower you to make impact in this world of ours. And if you actually think your purpose is other than that, you are mistaken, biblically speaking. And it's time to realign the thinking to understand what God has for you and God, what God wishes for your life. So sometimes people just don't know about the gifts God's given to them. Sometimes people think their purpose is otherwise. And we're going to deal more with this next week, but sometimes they're just afraid. They're not willing to risk. They're not willing to step out in order to honor God in the way that he, he has called them to serve and to achieve the potential that he has for them. And I want to tell you, in all of those instances, and probably for other reasons, it's possible that people miss the potential that they have to achieve for the kingdom, and they never accomplish in power the thing that God wishes them to accomplish. Now, I don't know what that is for all of you. I don't know. I'm not God. Oh, there's a newsflash, right? But I'm not. I have no clue what God's intention is for you or what your gifts are, but I know that God knows. And I know that God in heaven through me today is speaking the word of God. I can say with, with confidence because I'm going to quote scripture. As I stand here and I say to you, fan into flame the gift of God which is within you. That is the word of God for you today. Fan into flame the gift of God which is within you. We got to get serious with this, my friends. And we got to discover the reality of what it means to God by his spirit to move powerfully through us. We're the channel. We're not the power he is. We're just the mechanism. You know, I hesitate to use myself as an example because not many people preach. You probably have too many, too many people preaching and not enough people doing other things. And quite frankly, I didn't want to preach. I wanted to do other things. But God said, no, Chris, this is your purpose. You preach. Now, I can preach here, and I can put a sermon together, and I can be eloquent, sound good, make you laugh, make you cry. I'm telling you, if the Spirit of God is not using what I say and flowing through my comments into your heart to transform your life and to transform your mind, what I do is just a waste. And it won't have the power of God in it. But my friends, if I am called and if I am gifted and I do the work and I stand up here and I pray, God, use the words that I speak to impact the lives of your people. And if indeed that's the reality that God has formed me for and the Spirit of God moves in power, you will be changed. God will be working in your heart and mind right now and leading you somewhere, taking you somewhere where I hope and I believe God hopes you will move into that place, move from being smoldering coals to a blazing fire for him. That's his will for you. That's his intention. And each of us needs to come to that place 
of getting into that experience and of knowing what that reality is like. My friends, who wouldn't want to have the experience where they know that the living God is powerfully impacting this world through them? Anybody here not want that? I think that's one of the most exciting things in the world that people can encounter. So I say to you today, I'm your pastor, right? I'm the guy who loves you and who leads you and who speaks to you for God. I say never let it be the reality in your life that either because of ignorance of spiritual gifts or misplaced purpose and focus that, or, or fear that you come to that place where you never experience the reality that is being described here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Never let it happen. What a waste that would be for your life and for the sake of the world. Okay, so what do you do if that's the reality? Let me, let me coach you just in really simple ways about steps to take forward in this. Number one, I want you to hear me in this. Don't try to fan into flame the gift of God that is not in you. Yeah, hear that. Let me say it again. Do not try to fan into flame the gift of God that is not in you. And I'm telling you this because this happens over and over and over and over. Well-meaning people who love Jesus, who want to serve, who want to see the church thrive and be built and grow, they, they, they're invited into ministry, they offer themselves in ministry, and they start to serve in ways that God has not called them and God has not gifted them. Good people! But they're not following the leading of God's spirit. They're not functioning as God has designed them to function. And essentially what happens is that they end up in, in, in two sorts of ways. You know, they, are, they end up frustrated because they never see God work in power. And they want that to happen. They want lives to be impacted. They want circumstances to change. But they don't see it and they end up exhausted because they try and they try and they try, but they do so with no effect. Because God's not in it. Don't let that be you. I don't want our church to function that way. Hundreds of people serving God and God's doing zip because we're not serving according to his design and according to God's purpose. Does that make sense? Anybody? Yeah. See, it's, it's, like, it's like you're trying to light a fire and you're, you're blowing on coals that aren't there. Does that make sense? <sighs> you just get dizzy and fall over, right? At least you won't burn yourself because there's no flame. Here's what I want to say to everybody here. Be absolutely sure that as you serve, and we have, we have dozens and hundreds of people serving in this church. It's one of the wonderful things about IPC. People give themselves to this task which God has given the church. Um, but be absolutely sure that you're not serving where you're not gifted. Be sure you're serving where you are gifted. And I want to speak to the leaders of IPC, whether that be staff or whether that be volunteer leaders. I'm talking about our ministries now. We have a lot of ministries, you know, worship team, and they do well today, beautiful. Um, you know, we, we have a prayer team. We have a, our session, our leadership group. Uh, we have youth ministry. We have children's ministry. I want to talk to all the, the life, many, many life groups and, and leaders in those life groups. I want to say to you, make it your intention to be sure that the people who are serving under your leadership are serving according to their gifting. It's possible and even likely that there are people in the ministries which you lead who are not serving according to their gifting. They're serving according to their non-gifting. And you know, the reality is, my friends, every ministry needs all the giftings, right? Just because, you know, you, you can't sing doesn't mean you can't serve in the, on the worship team, 
right? Every ministry needs all the gifts. And, and maybe, I'm going to suggest that it's likely that in every ministry of our church, I'm thinking impact, men's ministry, sisterhood, the women's ministry, which, by the way, is often a retreat this way, to this weekend, like 25 women or whatever. The reality is every ministry needs every gift. And all those leaders, please give incredible attention over this next little while to, to looking at the, the, the reality of where your people are serving and to convince yourself and lead them so that they themselves are also convinced that they're serving where they're gifted and that they're not serving where they're not. All right? That's point number one. Point number two is really simple. Like, really simple. If you don't know your spiritual gifts, figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant, eh? People pay me to say this kind of thing. And I want to, again, I want to address the leaders of the ministry of this church. I would suggest to you that it's your responsibility as the leader of every ministry of this church, as the leaders of the ministries of this church, to teach your people what their spiritual gifts are if they don't know what they are. And I'm asking you today to take initiative in that area to get together with your people, to have this discussion with them, to, to provide the gift inventories that are available to you all over the internet. Find the good ones, we'll help you with that. And, and, and to help people start in this journey, study 1 Corinthians 12 where the greatest list is, or Romans chapter 12 or Ephesians chapter four. Those are the three primary areas of, uh, of, of uh, the gift, uh, uh, gift lists being provided to us in the Bible. But get down, and then beyond just having that discussion, then, as a team, start to look for effectiveness. It's huge. Start to look, start to look for where, where you see God showing up when somebody does this. And start to look to see where God moves in power. Don't lose fact, uh, sight of that, of that word, in power, not just a little bit, but powerfully through somebody when they do that. And when you see gifting, encourage it. Praise it. Identify it. Call it out of people. This is the ministry, in my opinion, that God has called you to. And as people pray and as they study scripture and as they do the gift inventories and as they hear from one another, all of a sudden people come to this place, man, maybe this is what God has for me. Maybe it's not that. I hadn't planned on this, but I'm going to tell you the story really briefly again. When I was younger, the last thing I wanted in the world to do was be a pastor. I was a quiet, shy guy. I wanted to sit in the back seat not stand the front. And, uh, you know, uh, but I really loved studying biblically, theologically, figure that out. But no, I don't want to be a pastor. And then I, I looked for a ministry where I could have effect for God and God could move through me in power, I hoped, and in significance and an impact. And I got a job at a, a, a Christian uh, sports resort, we called it, um, because I could, I could minister to people. I could communicate the reality of Christ to people. But none of this pastoral nonsense. You know, I don't want that. And the longer I was there, I was in that camping ministry for about eight years. And I do a lot of administrative stuff, like at, the, at that point where I was, I was hiring. It was my job. 150 people every summer, usually university students. And that was okay. You know, I was pushing a pan. I was able to do it. But I loved interacting with people. And then we get up to the camp in the summer, and it became my job to give oversight to a lot, but one of the things I had to do was to care for this staff group, which, you know, we would add our full-time people to as well. So, I don't know, 170 people. So, you know, well, who's going who's gonna to plan the services? Well, Chris has to. Who's going to preach at them? Well, Chris will do that a fair bit. Who's going to do some Bible studies? Initially, it was a lot me, and as it grew, then other people had to do the same, but I would do the Bible studies, and I would counsel people one-on-one. -on -one. And people would come to me and say, um, 
Chris, could you teach me how to lead a Bible study like that? I'd love to be able to lead a Bible study for other people like you just did. You know what he's saying to me? Is God touched my life, and I'd like to serve like you serve. God moved. And I'd preach, and I wasn't very good at it then, but people would come to me, assuming I am now. I don't know. But uh, people would come to me and say, Chris, God really touched my life. I want to thank you for what you said. God acted. They might not have said it that way. And I, I remember sitting with one guy in particular, a young guy, and he was rebellious. And I was sitting there, and either he's going to change or we're sending him home. He was in the kitchen, and he was a troublemaker. And I just sat one and one with him uh, by the lake one time. And, and I, I was just challenging, but w- what do you really want for your life, you know? Counseling. And like a light went on in this young guy's mind, I could see it. And, and he grew a little bit. And he worked out to be a good counselor. And years later, I went back just to visit, and he came up. He was still on staff, and he said, Chris, I want to thank you for that moment. Okay, and I'm not patting Chris on the back here. What I'm telling you is I was beginning to discover what God had gifted me to do. I didn't even want it. (laughs) And slowly God said to me, God opened my eyes to see, Chris, would you think about it again? (laughs) And I eventually said, okay, and here we are. See, we've got to figure out how God has gifted us. We've got to figure out what God is calling us to. I don't imagine a lot of you will end up preachers. I don't want you to think that's what the the illustration is about, but a lot of you can end up in ministries where God uses your life in a very powerful way where the Spirit of God comes and He shows up in power and touches people and He changes them. Now, I see the Nicaragua team is is, uh, announcing, is it in a written material or... I got an email anyway, right, David? And uh, David's leading another team to Nicaragua in 2019. And there are going to be a couple of meetings over the next six weeks just uh, for interested parties to gather together to see who might start the work of going down, raising lots of funds because we fund ministries there, to go down to Nicaragua to have impact for Jesus. We don't go there for fun. If you want to go for fun, you know, go to St. Lucia or something. <laughs> but we go to work and we go to love people and we go to communicate the reality of Christ to people. Anybody here maybe called to do that in 2019? You might be saying right now, no, I don't think so. That's not me. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to, be, I don't want to go to Nicaragua. I don't care what you think. I want, to know, I want you to know what God wants you to know. And I want to tell you, if you'll take 10 minutes and think about it, God might start to stir something in your heart. And my friends, if God tells you to go to Nicaragua, go to Nicaragua and see what God by his spirit is going to do through you. Anybody here called to our downtown ministry? Not all of us are going to be because God doesn't make us all the same and he doesn't give us the same calling and he doesn't give them the same gifting. But if you're called to work downtown with Joyce, this is a Vanderspeck day, isn't it? You know, <laughs> uh, David's wife, who's a pastor here in our church in a way with the women's ministry today on a retreat. But if you're called to go down there because you've got this heart and you sense this calling of God to care for disadvantaged people who are struggling with addiction and with brokenness in so many ways, you've got to go downtown. And as you're there, figure out what your gifts are so that you can do what God has gifted you to do. Don't do just what's needed. Do what you're called to. And you know what's going to happen? God is going to move in power just because you are there and he's going to move through your life. You're the channel, he's the power. And lives are going to change. And I could go on with all these ministries, children's ministry. You've heard about kids camp? In our children's ministry, it's ongoing every, every Sunday, 60 to 80 kids. It's a little church out there. And they, they can kind of become invisible to us because you're not even looking in their direction right now. I am. 
But I know right now there are a lot of people, it's usually 20 to 25 people who say, you know what, I, I just sense God saying to me, I, wanna, I, I want you to work with these little ones and I want you to help me open their eyes to see the reality of who Jesus is so that as they grow up, they're going to come to this deep awareness of the love of God in their lives. Anybody here called to that? If you're called to it, you're gifted for it. Get that point. Fan it, and then fan into flame what God has called you to do. Youth ministry, as they grow up, not everybody is called to uh, youth ministry. Where's Steve? Spent an entire weekend last week with a bunch of teenagers at a retreat, right? And you survived. It's remarkable. But he's called to it, I hope and I pray. I think you are, aren't you? And you know, has a heart. We need people in youth ministry have a heart to help people through the difficult years of adolescence. How many people loved being a teenager? Okay, one. Well, you are a teenager. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. Some people may find it okay, but a lot of kids struggle, especially in this day when they're trying to live for Christ and the temptation is so much in the other direction. And you know, not only is that the reality, but it's in these years that kids grapple and they struggle. It's no longer the p faith of my parents. Am I going to make it my faith? That's an incredibly important time in life for a kid who's growing up, and they need people who are called and who are gifted to love so that God works in power so that lives are changed. A young person last week and gave their life to Christ, right? Isn't that amazing? Because people were willing to be called and to serve according to their gifting in order that someone might find Jesus. I could go on and on. We have prayer ministry, and we have, as I've said, impact and sisterhood, and, and, and we, we, have, we have ministries, Spiritual gifts are given to build up the body, to make the body strong, that we might go out both internally and then externally to make an impact for God. So we've got to discover our gifts, and as we discover them, my friends, we come into that place where God can use us in a powerful way. And the litmus, litmus test of the whole thing is in the end of the day, are we making impact for God? Are we making impact for God? I, I, wanna, I just feel led right now. If you're somebody and you do not think God is making impact for your, through your life right now, you need to make some changes because that is a possibility that is real. And not only will other lives be impacted, your life will be too. We are saved because God loves us and he wants to be in our life and to lead us and to bless us and ultimately take us to heaven. But we are also saved that the kingdom of God might come in power through the people of God as we serve him. My friends, what I'm saying in the end of the day is, as Paul said, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. Don't leave the coals just smoldering. Blow on them hard till the flame burns brightly and powerfully. This can be your life. And then you, when you know what the calling is and when you know what the gifting is, then lean into it. Give yourself to it. Learn how to do it. Read the books. Talk to people who are ahead of you in the journey who have similar gifting. Come together with them. Get feedback to figure out what it is you're called to do. You know, I had a guy come to me years and years ago uh, who had led, um, um, it wasn't preaching, but had led a meeting with a lot of people at a public meeting, let's say. And this guy came to me afterwards and said, Chris, um, I'm kind of thinking I might be gifted for public speaking and so forth. Uh, and and uh, he didn't use those words, but, you know, what do you think? Do you think I'm gifted? And I asked him, well, tell me more of what you mean. 
And, and the idea was, was something to the effect of essentially like do I command the stage? Do, do people grapple with what I'm saying? Are they engaged? You know what he was asking. And I thought and I prayed a little bit and I asked a few more questions to give myself time to think and in the end I said to him, um, to tell you the truth, I think the answer is no. It wasn't exactly what the person wanted to hear, right? It was something that he was excited about and he had some ambition for. But I had to be really honest with him. And it might not have been great to hear in the moment, but you know what was actually really great? That it was a step toward him discovering what God truly had gifted him for, where he could find joy in his life as he was making impact for the kingdom in a significant way. Even that is a positive in terms of moving forward for the kingdom. So my friends, I want to call you as IPC to this. Can you imagine, put on your imagination hat, right? I don't know if such a thing exists, but just take a minute. Can you imagine if hundreds and hundreds of people that call IPC home actually discovered their calling, actually discovered what the gifts were that God has given them to make impact, and as they actually started to fan and to flame the gift of God that they had been given, and God began to move powerfully through hundreds of people to make impact in the lives of others in the church and ultimately then in the world? You know what we would be. We would be powerful for God. God would accomplish dramatic and wonderful and beautiful things just because we were willing to say yes to his will for our lives. I want to read to you Romans chapter 7, verses 6 uh, uh, to 8 as we conclude here today. <clears throat> and it says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Grace is actually, the Greek word is charis, which is the foundational word of charisma, which is translated gift. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve it. If it's, if it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generous, generously. If it is leading, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And you know what I say to you as I wind up here, whatever your gift is, run after it hard. Discover it, pour yourself into it, fan it into flame, and watch what God does in and through your life. My friends, as we do this, as we do what God has created us to do, my goodness, the ministry of this church will just exponentially explode. And this world will be changed, lives will be changed, and the will of God will be done by us as he works through us for his glory. Are you in? Hope you're in. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, it's a remarkable thing that uh, you formed the church and you gave the spirit to your church and then you empowered your church with gifts and then the presence of the Holy Spirit himself. And Lord, we know we're here for a purpose. We don't exist as a church just to enjoy one another. Well, we do exist for that because you call us to joy in the midst. And so that we might know you, but God, also you have a world that needs transformed. You have lives that need to be made new just as our lives have been made new. And Father, I pray for every single person here. I don't know where they're at. I don't know whether they're ignorant of spiritual gifts, as 1 Corinthians says, or whether they have other purposes that have uh, taken over their lives. But God, what I pray is that every person here who calls Jesus Lord will discover what those gifts are and that they will then fan those gifts into flame so that this church can come alive, so that this church can, 
can blaze brightly like a huge bonfire that the world might see and feel the reality of God among us. God, I pray for the leaders of this church and all of its expressions. Father, I pray that you will lead them to take initiative so that we can get this right, so that people will discover and use the gifts you've given to them. God, our heart's desire is that this church would be built up according to your plan and according to your way. And then that we would, as, as a congregation, achieve the potential that we have as a people who gather together, filled by the Spirit of God, empowered by God to do the things that God wants. So we pray together, Lord, that you'll make this a reality here, that you'll touch our lives, that you'll move in us so that we might serve in ways that you have enabled us and created us to serve. Make it a reality, we pray, our God. Bless us as we seek you. Bless us as we serve you. And this we pray in Jesus' name. We're actually going to sing the song that we did just before Chris came up. And let's just take time right now to pray. Pray if you need to pray. Ask God to show you what your gifts are. And let's just receive from the Holy Spirit and be empowered this morning. So would you stand as we worship? No place I would rather be. No place I would rather be, than here in your love, here in your love. No place I would rather be, no place I would rather be, no place I would rather be, than here in your love, here in your love.
once more of the reality of the Spirit of God at work in them. You know, what I'm describing is an incredibly exciting thing to be part of what God is doing in this world, what God is doing in the lives of other people. So I challenge you, just go from this place to seek Him and to seek His will, and when you know it, then do it. Fan it into flame. Throw your life at it so that God might be powerful in this world again. I want to thank you for being here today. You're wonderful people, and God is good. And it's been great to be in His presence and uh, just to know how good and alive and how real God bless you.